but yeah, speaking of state fair, Brian, were you, you know, we were joking about you having a lot of state fair experience. Is that, was that like ironic or are you a- No, that's, that, that's for real. I, so there's okay. up here in Nova Scotia every September, which is usually when we're getting uh, prepared to return to the US, we're going to be staying a little longer this year. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, there are county fairs up here because they're called counties and not, not uh, states. Uh, you know, um, I guess, well, no, I guess there'd be county fairs in the US as well. A state fair would be like for the whole state, but mm -hmm. um, the, these are county fairs and pretty much every county uh, <clears throat> has one. And they're a big deal here because this uh, Nova Scotia is, is largely rural and agricultural. And, uh, you know, these county fairs are really the culmination of their, their seasons. Um, and anyway, the, the, um, the county we're in has, has one uh, that runs in September. And we always, we, we go to that and enjoy the events and always feel a little bit of that kind of bittersweet. The air is getting cool, you know, apples, fall apples are starting to come out. There's a, you know, hint of winter in the air and we know we're about to leave. And it's really funny because, so we go back and forth between Austin and Nova Scotia. Um, and we, when we leave Austin, we always feel wistful. And then we get to Nova Scotia and we have a great time. And then we, when we turn around and leave Nova Scotia, we always feel wistful. So the state fair or the county fair in this case is always just one of those things that is another reminder, like the trees turning color and the air changing temperature that we're almost on our way. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I, uh, we've, we've grown to really love it. And uh, the very first time we ever uh, went to it, it was, it was really almost by accident. Um, so we've been going to Nova Scotia on, uh, for vacation for more than 20 years. I, I don't even want to try to count how many really it is. Um, but uh, we were just driving along this uh, scenic highway from point A to point B. Um, and we noticed this sign, you know, county fair. And it was like, oh, that's today. Well, we don't really have anything else to do. Let's stop in. And this was the evening. And we stopped in. And, and in the big barn, uh, they were having the ox pulls. And we were like laughing. Yes, ox pulls. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Well, you know, that'll be really entertaining. And so we went in and we got a slice of, uh, uh, you know, homemade pie from the ladies at the women's auxiliary or whatever that are serving in the, in the big barn. Uh, and we sat down and we started watching these ox pulls. And we really, really got into it. I mean, just really enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was really quite fascinating. And the characters and the techniques were all just really interesting. So that was, you know, 20 plus years ago. And we have gone every year since. But there isn't going to be one this year because of the, the, the COVID thing. And uh, so we're just really, really missing it. So when, when I heard that Jollyville Radio was doing a state fair, I thought, oh, that's great. That'll just kind of fill the void of the, uh, uh, of the real state fair. We can have this virtual Jollyville state fair. Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so I'll, I'll be, I guess, writing a little bit about ox pulls and some other things <laughs> from my vast experience with county fairs. do declare it's been ages since i've seen you love how in the world have you been weren't you raising something called for chillers last time i heard oh my dearest lovely kitty westlake so grand to gaze upon your gracious self yes yes indeed my fair chillers are magnifique as a matter of fact, I will be judging the first annual Fertilla contest at the Jollyville State Fair, which starts later today. Why, well, lovey, that sounds simply delightful. I would love to come and see that event. When is it scheduled? I just must check on my calendar. You know, I have so many wonderful things coming up soon. And you know, Miss Kitty always has her dance card fully booked. Why, yes, the State Fair is at the Tri-Cities Ag Center on October 13th through the 17th. I do hope you will attend. 
Oh, my darling, surely, surely you are confused. Why, those very dates are the ones for the Malakoff Renaissance Festival at the Tri-Cities Ag Center, of which I, Kitty Westlake, am a sponsor. Perhaps the dates you have are just a wee bit off, or maybe, lovey, you got the wrong location. My dear lady, I do believe it is you that is confused. My calendar clearly states the state fair is October 13th to the 17th at the Jollyville Stavertown Malakoff Tri-Cities Ag Center. Well, we shall see about that, won't we? <laughs> the Renaissance Festival is running from October the 13th until October the 17th at that very Tri-Cities Ag Center. It's even possible that both of us can fit in that same location. I don't think so. Well, 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 Harry, we'll just have to see. Oui, oui. I believe we le shall. Hi, we're all Antonio and, and his imaginary, imaginary friends. friends. And you're listening to Jollyville Radio, KJVR. Spongy, spongy, snug, snug, insulating, insulating. Introducing the all-new line of luxury koozies from the designer Robert Cheerful. This is Dr. Alan Pratt, not the doctor that we could heal you or during the COVID. This is an education doctorate, which means, just call me Alan, from the National Rural Education Association. You're listening to Jollyville Radio on KJVR, and I'll, I'll say this about Jollyville Radio. It takes your time. It takes you to a different place. So God bless KJBR and God bless Texas. Oh, hi, Bobby. Have you come to see the state fair? Oh my gosh, you brought a lot of equipment. Are you interviewing someone? Uh, hi, Carrie. Well, what are you doing here? This is the KOFF Malakoff radio booth. Um, no, I think you are mistaken. This is the KJVR radio booth. Here, let's check our placement maps. This is section B4. I'm sure I'm in the right place. Yep, section B4. I am in the right place for the KOFF radio booth. Are you kidding me? Ugh, this booth is not big enough for one of us to report in, let alone both of us. Gosh, Carrie, you're right. But you better move over, girl. We both have some big reporting to do. Wait. Are you covering the Jollyville State Fair? No, I'm covering the Malakoff Renaissance Festival. On the same dates? In the same venue? Okay, well, this is going to be a fun fill five days, isn't it? Oh, boy. Yeah, looks like it. Okay, well, here we are. Let's make the best of it. Live from the Renaissance Festival, I'm Bobby Bradley, KOFF Radio, October 13th through the 17th at the Tri-City Ag Center. Live from the State Fair, I'm Carrie Gardner, KJVR Jollyville Radio, October 13th to 17th at the Tri-Cities Ag Center. Come, Come on, on down, down and, and see us! It wouldn't be a state fair or an renaissance festival without all the great food. So we tapped our very own little Appalachian soup boy to review some of the delicious options. I normally only review soup, but I'll deviate when the occasion calls for it. Well, we appreciate your sacrifice. Always happy to oblige. What will you be reviewing for us from the state fair? My first review is of the deep-fried ice cream balls on a stick from the Frank's Fried Factory food truck. The premise of a frozen custard kebab is complicated with 
classic and new flavors like chocolate, vanilla, and blue raspberry, coated in fried dough that could use a more vibrant yeast. There's nothing to say the frozen custard, except that it is clearly made with rudimentary ingredients and their liberal use of food coloring leaves much to be desired. However, should you decide to partake in this festive kebab, I recommend a plate. For while the ball-like structure is fairly maintained throughout, it cannot be said of the integrity in which it clings to the stick. Sounds delicious. What's next? My second and final review from the State Fair is of the mega-loaded, double-throated, Big Papa's Gnarly Nachos from Betty's Food Shack Tent. The seemingly never-ending list of ingredients, including this dish, can be boiled down to three main groups. Fried meat, high cholesterol dairy, and a gluten-heavy base. You can choose between chips or tortilla. This dish would seem to skimp on quality in favor of quantity, but it appears that both are heavily considered in its assembly because the dish is well-seasoned and balanced. Should you participate in this, come hungry, and be ready to eat it quickly for the glory of the dish is within the first few minutes before it melts into a giant pile of calories. My, my, I'm hungry already. What do you have for us from the Renaissance Festival? My third review and first of the Renfest is of the ye old potato skins from Sugar and Stone. The dish prides itself on being locally sourced. I find it hard to believe that the potatoes and various toppings were sourced from a farm but rather the local big chain grocer. The potato skins themselves are soft and lackluster. The only redeeming quality is the ye olde sauce that can be added, which provides the right amount of habanero spice necessary to make this palatable. Thank goodness these events are going on for several days. I know what I'm having. Anything else for us? Of course. My fourth and final review is of the beer-battered cheese curds from Anchors Brew. While the outward appearance of both the food stand and dish are underwhelming, the effort is wisely spent in the taste and texture of the curds. The light coating is second fiddle to Wisconsin-sourced cheese that melts in your mouth into a gooey delight. Should you wish to enjoy this dish, I recommend you stay away from the optional yet heavily promoted dipping sauces. While these are pegged as necessary, they instead carelessly overwhelm and deflect. Thank you for all these reviews. Do you have a favorite? While they all present an interesting palette, I think I'll stick to what works. Soup. For KJVR and Jollyville, this has been the Little Appalachian Soup Boy. Wow, these dishes sure do sound great. Do you think they'd deliver to our booth? Of course. What other purpose could a food truck possibly serve? Well, I don't know about that. Well, listeners, my attention span has already faded. Let's go to KOFF reporter Leo Dewey to hear about some of the entertainment options at the Renaissance Festival. Thanks, Bobby. We're walking around the Renaissance Festival, and I'm standing right outside of a giant purple tent. The sign says, Fortune Teller. The last time I was at a place like this, I ended up buying a hot tub that I didn't know I wanted. Let's see what happens this time. Hello and welcome. I am Madame Zamira, your guide to the celestial world and beyond. I offer palmistry tarot, and psychic readings. And if you have extra time and dollars working to realign your chakras, how can I help you today? The listeners and I were wondering if you could make some predictions. The State Fair and Renaissance Fair just kicked off. How do you think they'll go? Wonderful. Let's step back into my tent, shall we? Better to get out of the hustle and bustle of the crowds to better focus on the task at hand. Settle in, my dear. This is quite a space you have here. For our listeners, Madame Zamira's tent is quiet, dimly lit, and cozy. I feel like I'm at a spa. I'm about to take a seat at her table, 
Is that sage I smell? Yes. You have a good nose. I smudge the place between customers. This allows me to start anew with each journey. So, the predictions. Give me a moment. Yes, yes, all right. My, there are several things rising up. The night appears to move all over. No, backward on the board. He's nearly knocked off, but saved in an unlikely turn of events by the queen, of course. Are you predicting a chess match? I didn't know we had that happening here. <laughs> there is so much going on. These predictions are not fully literal, my dear. There's an interpretation element to them. You'll just have to see. Okay, any other predictions? Yes, of course. By the end of the moon's first quarter, love will find a place to rest in your soul. I, 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 I don't know about Shh. that. Love doesn't have to always be romantic love, but why not? Life is too short to be boring. Here, let me read your palm. It's what I'm known for. Uh, will it hurt? Will it hurt? Of course not. You're too funny. Stick out your dominant hand. Here we go. That's it. Ah, yes. What a magnificent air hand. Makes sense, since you do radio. Uh, I'm sorry? Air hands are good communicators. Ah, okay. Your headline is very straight, which makes your general apprehension of me make sense. <laughs> Don't fret. I get this all the time. I'll make a convert out of you. Your heart line, on the other hand, is very broken up. My dear, are you getting over a failed relationship? How do you know about that? It's all right here in your hand. I told you this is what I'm known for. Now, your lifeline. Ah, don't worry, I'm not going to predict your death. That's not what this is for, contrary to popular belief. Instead, it tells me about your vitality. What a deep, long lifeline. You don't get sick very often, do you? No. Again, how do you know this? Like I said, Leo, it's all here in your palm. I simply read it. Now the final line, your fate line, or the line of destiny. Hmm. Your line is very straight and deep. I can tell you're good at your job, but tend to overwork. While you don't get sick, you do tend to burn out. I recommend slowing down. You're in your head too much. This line is telling me something. You tend to take chances and hope for success, which has worked out so far, but you're worried your luck may be running out. Are you concerned about your job at the radio at all? You know what? Um, I don't feel comfortable with this anymore. Of course, we can stop. I only go with you on the journey as long as you are comfortable. And since you are not, please, we'll conclude. You are always welcome to come back and visit. You are a very interesting person, reporter. Mucho, mucho amor. Take care. Uh, thank you, Madam Zamira. With that, I'm going to turn it back over to Carrie and Bobby. For KOFF and Malakoff, I'm Leo Dewey. Hi, this is Bob from Bob's Short Story Hour a podcast that features an eclectic array of short story recitations from both classic and contemporary authors, as well as occasional interviews and discussions about both. You're listening to Jollyville Radio, right here on KJVR. This is KJVR, and I'm Carrie Gardner from Jollyville, here with Bobby Bradley from Malakoff. Let's go now to Rory Barker, reporting about my favorite event, the ox pool. Why, thank you, Carrie. I'm here at the Live Sock Arena, and we've come to the crucial moment in the ox pool contest. This event has been won 50 
15 out of the last 20 years by one or the other of abundant siblings, Stephanie and Junior. Just a few minutes ago, Stephanie completed her record-breaking 4.20 pull. Stephanie, congratulations, and please give us a bit of background on just what that means. Thank you very much, Rory. The OX pull event score is based on the ratio of weight successfully pulled divided by the weight of the OX team. So your record-breaking 4.20 pull means you pulled 4.2 times the weight of your OX team? That's right. My two OX team weighed in at 4,715 pounds, and we successfully pulled 47 blocks on the sledge. Each block is 400 pounds, and the sledge weighs 1,000 pounds for a combined weight of 19,800 pounds. That gives us a 4.20 weight ratio. Whoa, woman, that's a lot of weight. How is the successful pull determined? Well, each team starts with an empty sledge and they get three attempts to pull a minimum of three feet. The team and sledge have to stay between the two tapes on the arena floor at all times during the attempt. If any part of the sledge, ox, or human driver goes over the tape, that's an immediate disqualification, and the team scores the ratio for whatever the last successful pull was. After a successful pull, the driver has the option of standing pat with that result or adding weight to the sledge for another attempt. The final pull still has to be within the length of the arena, so it takes a lot of skill to add blocks fast enough to get the final pull, but still not suddenly shock the team so it doesn't reach maximum potential. Oh, that's a lot more strategy involved than I ever imagined. So your brother Junior has worked his way up to this attempt now with the same number of blocks you successfully pulled, 47? Does this mean if he succeeds, you two are tied? No, Junior has always been a sneaky competitor. Somehow he found out about a week ago that my team was gonna weigh in at 4,715 pounds. So he dieted his team down to just 4,700 pounds. That means if he pulls 47 blocks, it will give him a 4.21 ratio, just enough to edge me out. So it's a real nail biter we have on our hands here, folks. But Stephanie, I couldn't help but notice that you, the driver, you get to pull on the yoke. So, so shouldn't your weight count in that ratio too? I can also say that you, uh, well, uh, you have a significant edge over Junior in that department. <laughs> well, technically, it's not supposed to matter much since we're only allowed to pull on the leather traces to help guide the team. But when it's as tight a contest as this, every little bit can help. Oh, Junior set up for his first attempt. Yeah! Oh dear, oh dear, the sledge barely moved. The judge steps in to mark the new position of the sledge for the second attempt. Junior is adjusting the leather traces and retying them around the oak. Yeah! Oh, that looks much better. The judge is stepping up with his measuring rod and, and... <gasps> the judge is indicating Junior is about two inches short on his attempt. How disappointing that must be for him. He's walking around his team. He's catching his breath. He's patting them reassuringly. Now he's eating into the yoke and saying something quietly into their ears, stroking their noses. No, 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 taking position for his final attempt. Yeah! It's going to be very close. It sure does. My goose might be cooked. Whoa, whoa, the judge is walking over now with a measuring rod in his hand. Uh... <clears throat> what the heck? What looks like a medieval knight on a horse just galloped through the arena and snatched up the judge. Wait, wait, wait. We need to know if Junior's pull was good. Uh, uh, bring back that judge, you 
folks. It seems there's been some kind of incident at the livestock arena. We'll check back with Rory a little later to find out more about what's happened. You're telling me that we have a livestock incident that tops whatever that just was? Reports are coming in from the field that several animals had been escaping from the livestock raisers area. Where are they all going? Well, we don't know yet, but if any reporters out there have information, please call in immediately. Yeah, what kind of things are you all hearing? Initial reports say that Sparky, this year's favorite for the pot belly pig racing, is nowhere to be found. And the blue ribbon bull is missing too. He's got big horns and is known to get angry. Hello, this is the Little Appalachian Soup Boy calling in with information. Yes, what can you tell us? I will be reviewing the giant turkey leg table at the Renaissance Fair. We don't need another food review. Oh, okay then. Well, the short story is, I did not think turkey legs were supposed to have pig's feet on the end. Oh no, well that explains the pig, but what about the bull? Here with us now is Sally Klumpenjager, the farmer of the bull. Farmer? Don't you mean shepherd? Hmm, no, that doesn't sound right either. Owner, Sally Klumpenjager, the owner of the missing bull. Sally, what can you tell us? I have no idea how Billy Joe could have gotten out unless someone had purposefully unlocked the gate of his livestock pen. The way I figure it, someone did not want him to win his gold medal of the bull prize stock category at the 4-H club, which includes point for his gentle character. But boy, oh boy, lots of people sure do think bulls are such meanies, but not my Billy Joe. Hmm, well, that's not what I heard. Anyway, let's go now to our next event. Yorkle Chef, what can you tell us about the jousting event? Carrie, Bobby, this is sports writer Jorkle Chef from the Staverton Times-Herald, reporting for the Renaissance Festival from the Field of Honor, where the first two knights are about to joust. And I'm here to give you the blow-by-blow. Our two knights are ready. Sir Morris and Sir Stanley are sitting atop their horses at opposite ends of the jousting field. And the Queen has dropped her handkerchief. The two armored knights have started to charge. Their lances are down, ready for attack. Now wait, what's this? A bull has walked into the arena. He's wandering right in front of Sir Stanley. Oh no, Sir Stanley's horse has reared and this knight is on the ground. Oh, too bad that is immediate disqualification according to the festival rules. But wait, there's more. The bull has turned and is charging Sir Morris. His horse rears as well. Sir Morris falls to the ground. Sir Morris, well known as a favorite of the Queen, gets up, stomps his feet, raises his lance, which the bull sees and stomps his feet as well, and both begin to charge as the horse runs in terror into the back wall. There is a cloud of smoke. It's hard to see. And what's that? Who appears in a cloud of dust but the Renaissance Festival's one and only Madame Zamira, the fortune teller. She appears as if out of thin air and stands between the knight and the bull, her dark eyes ablaze, intensely staring down the bull, and in one swift movement, she flourishes her red skirt, taunting the bull and signals the knight to leave. The bull and Madame Zamira begin the dance of the matador, back and forth, round and round, dazzling the bull with her swirling skirt, the bull following her every move. The dance continues back and forth, round and round. On each movement, the bull falls deeper and deeper into a trance and begins to appear disoriented, at which time Madame Zamira disappears in a cloud of dust, leaving the bull bewildered and confused, whereby it appears that he is laying down in complete exhaustion, falling asleep 
And now... He's snoring? Ladies and gentlemen, these are sights never before seen at the Renaissance Festival. This is Jorkel Chef, Staverton Times Herald, reporting to you live from the Malakoff Renaissance Festival at the Tri-Cities Ag Center. Wow, I guess we found Billy Joe. Sally, what do you think about the way things went down? Okay, well, see, Billy Joe is definitely as scared a horse is. So it had to be an accident that he charged the night steed. But you know how animals are. When they are challenged, they run on animal instincts. So he must have felt threatened. The good news is, because of his bulk, he tires out easily. But at home, he just loves to play matador with people. So I guess he was just having fun. I am just so glad no one got hurt. But he is really just a gentle giant at heart. I hope we can find out who left the gate open. But sadly, we may never know. It really was a good thing that Madame Zamara is such a gifted person. She knew just what to do. Bless her heart. Well, okay. Thanks, Sally, for that info on your bull, Billy Joe. I am sure glad everything worked out and no one got hurt. Now, let's go see what else is going on here at the State Fair. Coming to you live from the Tri-Cities Ag Center, this has been Carrie Gardner on KJVR. Everybody say J-O-L-L-Y-V-I-L-L-E at radio. And you can Google the show. Check out the website, definitely. Make it funky, y'all. J-O-L-L-Y-V-I-L-L-E. Funny skits and jokes in every episode wraps up with community B. One more time, say J O Hi, this is Carrie Gardner reporting live for KJVR Radio while everyone here is packing up the events after the closing of the Jollyville State Fair. I'm here in the radio booth with KOFF's Bobby Bradley as we gather up our equipment to go back to our respective studios after a very successful Jollyville State Fair and Malakoff Renaissance Festival. What a great collaboration between Jollyville and Malakoff. Wouldn't you agree, Bobby? Right, Carrie. I am amazed at the attendance this year. People came out in droves after learning families could attend both the State Fair and the Renaissance Festival during the same weekend. I never thought it would work out, but it did. Ticket sales broke all previous records, and it was amazing. So many new events, so much excitement, and all that happened by accident or... Maybe it was fate. I don't think the Tri-City Ag Center has ever been so energetic and electric. There were great exhibits, food, fun, and fantasy alike for people of all ages and all family friendly. The only challenge was the incident with a prize bull at the jousting event. Did you hear the backstory on that one, Bobby? No, Carrie, do tell. Well, it's not exactly clear how Sally Klumpenjager's prize bull, Billy Joe, actually got out of his pen. But turns out there was a mess of those dreaded sandburrs, a.k.a. grass burrs, sticker burrs, you know, those very painful stickers that hurt like biscuits right outside of his pen. And Billy Joe got them stuck in his foot and blindly ran into the field of honor where the jousting event was being held. He must have been in terrible pain. The horses, of course, got spooked. The knights were thrown from their saddles and mayhem ensued. But it was Madame Zamora's matador dance with the bull that apparently dislodged the sandbur and poor Billy Joe was so grateful and so exhausted, he calmed down and fell asleep. Wow, amazing! If it hadn't been for that incident, the events would never have had to come together in peace and harmony and become the grand event that it turned into. Huh, I wonder if they will combine the events next year. Could it be that Jollyville and Malakoff work together for more collaborative events in the future? We shall see. But for now, it looks like they're wanting to take our booth down. So... Maybe we should sign off. For KOFF Malikoff Radio, this is Bobby Bradley reporting from the Tri-Cities Ag Center. 
hope to see you next year. For KJVR Jollyville Radio, this is Carrie Gardner signing off for this year's Jollyville State Fair. See you next year at the Jollyville Staverton Malakoff Tri-Cities Ag Center. Now, let's leave Jollyville and catch up with Uncle Asar to learn about somebody who is working to build their community. Tennessee. Ah, well, Michael probably thinks it's cool because it's not Texas. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's going to get even chillier as we move forward. So it's pretty good right now. Okay. I spent a few, about six months in 2019 out in Bartlett, outside of Memphis. I know exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah. Not much going on there. A lot of buffalo. You know, I didn't realize there's that many buffalo in Tennessee. Well, they bring them in. They, it's uh, probably a, a farm or a plant kind of production thing, isn't it? Yeah, it was, I guess, well, here in Texas, you drive down the highway, you see a lot of cows. Mm-hmm. And then they took it to a spot that's like you drive along that road and it's just all buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> so just let me let, let me let everyone know we are talking with Al, uh, Dr. Alan Pratt. And you'll have to give us your position, but he is with the National Rural um Education Association. Yeah. What's your, what do you do there? So I run the, it's a nonprofit located on the campus of UT Chattanooga. So um, I run the organization from the campus there. And then we have, you know, members in all 50 states. We have members all over the world, actually. So um, it's, uh, I have a board, an elected board that are made up of volunteers from all across from different parts of what k-12 and higher ed and rural education is so uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of a unique job i started in 2016 and rolling into five years okay okay and you do what to assist these schools these rural schools if you go to buy our logo and slogan we're the voice of rural schools and communities but basically mm-hmm. we're trying to be a conduit to set up relationships to uh, fortify our different state affiliates. And we have 45 state affiliates now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do legislative work. We try to bring them all together for, to have that unified voice. Because if you, if you look at policy wise or anything going on in America, it, it's, it's a unification of a voice that kind of gets heard sometimes. Right. So not sometimes that's what happens. So right. that's the process. Uh, yeah, so we try to do that, and we try to be non-political, and and we don't, you know, we don't pick a party, we don't support candidates, we stay down the middle as much as possible. The the, the biggest issue that we have is there's a lot of assumptions about what rural America actually is or what it's actually not. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's not monolithic. <laughs> I mean, it's not one type of people, type of place, type of attitude, type of, so it's never in one camp. It's all over the place. It's more diverse than people ever would imagine. It is more accepting and understanding than a lot of people understand as well. And, mm-hmm. and that could be socially, that could be uh, from stuff on workforce or, or, you know, assistance and help. It's just a, it's just really a different place than a lot of people kind of ex- expect, and it's also a lot of times people come into it with a deficit mindset. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily that case all the time. Right now, looking at that variety or that diversity across the what we're calling rural America, mm-hmm. some of the challenges that the schools or you know education that they're facing. Yeah, I, I would think if you if if the listeners would take the problems that the majority of urban schools have, you could mirror those right across the board to the to the problems of rural America. Okay, because poverty does not see poverty does not have a lens. It does not right. have shades and change. Poverty is poverty, mm-hmm. and, and poor and, and underserved people are the same. Now, what mm-hmm. I will say. Population-wise, obviously, there'd be a difference. And sometimes services that would be nearer to urban centers we don't have in rural America. Mm. But what we see across America is a lot of our state affiliate reps work with their urban counterparts in each state because there's so many like issues. And it's really a suburban issue sometimes, to me, against the urban and Mm -hmm. rural because we're fighting for a piece of the pie. We're fighting for a piece of, of what we need. And that's a strong collaboration that you mentioned in, in you know, in coming together in numbers, that would be a strong allyship there. 
collaboration, cooperation. Yeah. And we can we be just frankly brief, just honest as heck on that? Absolutely. Yeah. A, a lot of times it's our political world that tries to make that division between the two areas. Sure. So they, they're going to, and there's things that what we're saying, there's things that we all obviously, you know, support and go for that's going to help urban more than rural. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing that shift of, yeah, I see a reason why we need to help out because the, these people need help, but also these people help us out, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. jobs and different things going on there. Uh, but we also, a lot of times we are left to take models or take initiatives that were designed for urban or suburban mm-hmm. and kind of fix it, push it, (laughs) interpret it, mold it into what we need to do in rural America. And that's been the positive coming out of the uh, the Biden administration for the Department of Ed in the sense of they have been willing to listen to the regionalism approach that we would take or the the more flexibility of of federal policy. Mm possibility of state flexibility so, so those things have been a positive and i said i wasn't going to be political but i just did but um, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's kind of how it's set up i mean it, it it's just as as we all know it to change education systems or to make reform efforts in urban suburban or rural it's gonna the federal government can never do it alone mm-hmm. State government cannot do it alone. It's got to have community. Community is the key to that. Right, absolutely. And it's that, that change and turnaround that I think is that 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 makes it special. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not the same mm-hmm. uh, anywhere else. And and you know I can I live thirty minutes outside of Chattanooga. They could do initiative twenty minutes for me. We could take the same money, same initiative, and bring it into a rural area, and it wouldn't work. And vice versa, right. because that community set up. Right. So right. Yeah. Um... Working together, bringing those two communities together is not novel. Most people know Dr. King for civil rights, but just before his death, he was all about the poor people's campaign. And he was talking about all people of all stripes, just poor people in America. So that's it's kind of what, what we're talking, what you're talking about when you're talking about, you know, bringing those models together, mod- modifying them. and Bringing people together in general. I mean, right. and I think that's, you know, it, it's... Uh, you go back and read about history and you go back and read about party politics and and you think about it from the sense of it was a nice time in one sense in this way that we didn't demonize each other as much as we do now right Mm -hmm. politically Mm -hmm. and i mean Mm -hmm. that in in not slamming one side or the other i'm just saying you you can't have discussion across the aisle sometimes and sometimes we go to say we want to push this this is what we want and they go well i can't support that right now because this side supported it Mm -hmm. well that shouldn't be the case in america (laughs) never should be the case so i think those things are kind of you know uh really tough but i also think you know with your point about bringing up dr king it shows who is the who is the next group of people or the next person after dr king that brought that message do we know that person i mean I'm, I'm, there's been efforts in all over the i'm not saying it's not i'm just saying right right this is a time in our country i think we need someone to be the next dr king to do that if that absolutely. makes sense you know absolutely sure sure um, when we talk about the issues, uh, both in uh, urban America and rural America, one that stands out for me is the digital divide. How big of that is an issue? I know I was talking to Michael earlier and, you know, I mean, you you, you mentioned the, the, it wouldn't work for you and you're 30 minutes outside of Chattanooga, certain programs. How does that look or what is the the prognosis, if you will, of bridging that digital divide? Well, when you hear people talk about the digital divide, they automatically go to a fixed wired um, solution, meaning it's got to be fiber, it's got to be broadband, and this is the only way we're going to fix this problem. Mm -hmm. If you've ever driven out west or been in rural remote areas of our country, running fiber, you got a better chance for us to get people on the moon than than, (laughs) to get back to the moon than to do, I mean, you see what I'm saying, or Mars. So wireless is the key, and that could come from cell, that could come from satellite, it could come from whatever we need it to be. I just think the infrastructure in general, if you look at rural, is lacking in certain places. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at urban, I think infrastructure-wise, probably better off. It still needs to be worked, but you, then you really have a problem, and it goes back to poverty. 
can't do mm-hmm. forward service. Are we mm-hmm. going to provide subsidies to make that service work? You're going to see that same thing in rural America as well. Right. So it's almost, and I'll, I'll say this, I heard a, uh, I was on a webinar, they featured um, a couple of entrepreneurs on talking about broadband and they were talking about technology. One of the things they brought up, which I did not think was the case, um, they're talking about we've made five years of progress in a year and a half on some of the technology issues because we had to. And that could be devices that could be, you know, putting in students' hands. So if we could do that in a year and a half, two years and make this five years of progress, man, I think the sky's the limit. And I think we'll solve that. I, I think we'll solve it to the extent we possibly can. But it goes back to community, the federal government, state government, and really, is it going to be affordable? Is it going to be, you know, to the masses, mm-hmm. like utility, mm-hmm. like, you know, your power? So those things are big issues, I think. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest with you, too. Right now, it's still hot. We, and my fear is after the 2020 mid, 2022 midterms, is it going to be hot still? Or as we ease out of this pandemic, is it still going to be where it needs to be. And, and we talk about that a lot of the modern rural school, you know, it, it didn't have to be a five day a week in the classroom. It can be a four day a week or a three day a week. We can do right. floating class. Those things I think are coming out of this so that they're going to make technology even more important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, but I kind of answered your question. Kinda. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> where can um, people find you on the web if they, you know, want to get involved with, with what you're doing or, make a contribution to your efforts or whatever. Yeah. So our, our website, N-R-E-A, dot net. Um, you can find all the information about us, contact information. You also can follow us on Twitter at, uh, at N-R-E-A one, the number one. And then uh, we have a Facebook page as well, but you know, we bring together people across the nation. And, and one of the things we're bringing this year is we're doing a conference in November in Indianapolis it's a it's a hybrid conference, so it's going to be face to face and and online, and we're bringing in thought leaders from across different spectrums of our country. To, yeah. Let's talk about our theme is raising rule, raising it up, not to sit back and think about oh well we don't have this we don't have this. We're talking about raising that next generation, raising that next group of leaders, and and the key to us and and I think the most important part is we need to make sure that we are taking care of our communities, but also raising up the awareness level of, hey, we're, 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 we're going to be able to do what we can for ourselves, but we still need help. Absolutely. We need help in these areas. Mm-hmm. And I think those marriages and meshing of people together, that's where what we do. It's what mm-hmm. we come in to do. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's crazy times right now, um, but it's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, our membership this year grew 35% from oh, wow. the pandemic out. And I think a lot of that has to do with people getting information and people just wanting to be a part of something, okay. you know? So let's, let's uh, repeat that um, contact information. And we want to stress in our EA, not in our. Yeah, we don't want Yeah, we don't. net. We do not want. Yeah, we're not the the rifle association, which we do get accused of that every once in a while. Now, I will say this: I'm sure a lot of our members do own a weapon, and that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, mm-hmm. they do it the legal way. So, and that's not a political statement by any means. Well, Alan Pratt, thank you for joining us on Community Beat, and we wish you the best of the best. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate, you know, allowing us to kind of share our our work. But also the biggest part is please reach out. You know, we're willing to work with any, anyone from any community. We want to work and get things better. This has been Johnny Bill Community Be with Uncle Asar and dig this. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Peace. It's great. I hope it's okay for you. It was great. <laughs> so, so um, we do a podcast as well. So I'd love to talk to you and maybe dig into your story. So let me know. You're talking to me or Michael? You. You want me to be on your podcast? Yeah. Man, hit, hit record. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs>
The creative folks who wrote and performed this episode of Jollyville Radio includes Uncle Asar Alkabalon, Emily Ansonek, Michael Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Jamie Davis, Richard Derry, Brian Green, Robert Leary, Thomas Schlitt, J.B. Skirlock, Michael Stanley, Matt Waite, K.Y.'s Denty. Special appearances by Bob Don of the Bob Short Story Hour and Hidden Oaks Podcast. John C. Cook of the Fado Podcast. Abby Branker and Alan Kudan of the Lunatics Radio Hour Podcast. Direction and music by Michael Crosa with editing by Jamie Davis, Richard Davies, and Dr. Monse Santian. Social media help from Emily Ansonick. The recording was made in accordance with social distancing. Jollyville Radio is a member of the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative. We are based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but we still really love Austin, Texas. The credits were read by the writer's room of episodes 303 and 304. They are Uncle Asar Al-Kawulon, Emily Ansonek, Michael Crosa, Brian Green, and K.Y.'s Denty. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. If you would like to support the financial success of Jollyville Radio, you can find us on Patreon.com. We have all kinds of goodies to say thank you to our sponsors, including letters from characters such as this one from Kitty Westlake. I know for certain, my liege, you've made the acquaintance of my niece, the twice removed, <laughs> and if I had my way, she'd be entirely removed, grumpy soon. Some time ago, when we were meeting for our usual Tuesday morning chinwag over biscuits and gravy with an ever so lovely side of buttered grits, while she was all a twitter over having run into you at Hungry Bob's Barbecue, well, you know, Grumpy Sue, she just simply never has, never has a kind word to say about anyone. And even then, she was in a particularly sour mood, even more cantankerous than ever, given that earlier in the week she had mistaken Paul, <laughs> you know, he's the one here endlessly running for mayor, she had mistaken Paul Fredrickson's lime green truck. Some floozy hussy wearing way too much brassy and cheap drugstore makeup and <laughs> obviously never having mastered the skill of false eyelashes while right here in Jollyville drives a pickup just like Paul's. I'm dead to cool. Can you imagine? <laughs> Preposterous. Oh, my liege. You know your Miss Kitty would never, ever wear such garish colors for you. Oh, I am ever so grateful for your support of Jollyville Radio on Patreon. Your very own Miss Kitty. To become a monthly patron of our show, just go to patreon.com slash Jollyville Radio. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.